Today's Bible reading is from Genesis chapter 12, verses 1 through 9, which you can find on page 10 if you'd like to read along. Now the Lord said to Abram, Go from your country and your kindred into your father's house, and your father's house to the land I will show you. I will make of you a great nation, and I will bless you, and make your name great, so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and the one who curses you I will curse. In, and in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. So Abram went as the Lord had told him, and Lot with him. Abram was seventy-five years old when he departed from Haran. Abram took his wife Sarai and his brother's son Lot, and all the possessions that they had gathered, and all the persons whom they had acquired in Haran, and they set forth to go to the land of Canaan. And when they had come to Canaan, Abram passed through the land to the place at Sechem, to the oak of Morah. And at that place the Canaanites, at that time the Canaanites were in the land. Then the Lord appeared to Abram and said, To your offspring I will give this land. So he built there an altar to the Lord who had appeared to him. From there he moved on to the hill country on the east of Bethel and pitched his tent, with Bethel on the west and I on the east. And there he built an altar to the Lord and invoked the name of the Lord. And Abram journeyed on by stages toward the Negev. I'll invite any of the kids that want to come up to join me up here. Y'all come on up now. Come on. Little lambs, come on up here, y'all. How are you, little missy? Good to see you. Really good to see you this morning. Got a buck or two for the plate. Thank you very much. Hi there. Hey, Layla. How are you, cowgirl? It is good to see y'all this morning. You ever been to a hog calling? Or a hog calling contest? Well, I grew up in the South, where most people talk like this, and I actually think it's a real charming accent. Sometimes when I go to the movies, if there's a long line, I start talking real loud in my Southern accent. People try to get rid of me real fast, so they put me up to the front of the line, I get my ticket, and I go into the movies. It's fun. But I used to go to hog callings. I never did a hog calling myself, but they're fun. They're real fun. I might try one this morning, but I don't know if I've got the nerve to do it or not. You never heard one? You know, you ever heard the word suey? Suey! Here, pick it, 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 pick it. No? Don't be scared. <laughs> All right, enough of that. Well, I think that Reverend Kathy is maybe talking about a calling this morning and what it means to be called by God. Unfortunately for us, God doesn't have a people call. I wish God did sometime. You know, like when you're trying to figure out, what does God want me to do? Wouldn't it be nice if God had this loud, clear, obvious voice? Well, you, sometimes that happens. Sometimes we feel called by God in a really powerful way. But I think most of the time as we listen for what God's call is for us to do. It comes in small, quiet, little steps. It's not this big moment. It's little moment-by-moment -moment decisions that we make when we have chances to be creative and thoughtful 
and loving. And so when I try to think, what am I called to do? And I don't really think that God has just one calling for us. I think what God calls us to do is to be the expressive, creative people that we feel led to be. And that could take the form of being a mother or a father, a doctor or a nurse, a gardener, a poet, a preacher, a scientist. I don't think God has one thing, like Michael should be a lawyer. I think sometimes God thinks Michael should be a little more quiet. (laughs) But I think God, when we talk about God speaking to us, I don't think it very often comes in the form of an actual voice. It comes in the form of an urge an inkling, an idea, a thought. And so my prayer for us today is that we will always listen for those little inklings that God plants in us and that we'll choose to respond to it in creative and loving ways, even if sometimes they come out sounding silly. Will you say a prayer for me? Dear God, we are so grateful that within us, each of us, you have planted seeds of creativity and compassion that you have given us the ability to express ourselves in so many ways. Thank you for filling us with goodness and talent, with love and the ability to share joy with each other, the ability to build families and communities and churches. Thank you for all of these things and for being with us always. This is our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. I have to tell you that... I'm glad to see God is still here, up in the choir loft. (laughs) Right, right. Well, actually, right where Nikki left it. I think Nikki was the last one to put it up there. But that song I wrote, um, Rick and Janine and I, we had a theme going. Don't remember exactly what or when. But... um, the statement was made as we were meeting one day, gee, it would be nice if we had a song. And I was at the Y doing my aqua aerobics, and this song came to me. And I went home and noodled it out on the piano and made a, made a tune to go with the words I had composed in my head, and that's where that song came from. So. It was fun to sing it again, although I'll tell you in a little while where I have also sung it. <laughs> G'day, mites, <laughs> greetings from down under. Michael was right. The Bible reading this morning is one of a series of call texts that we find throughout the scriptures. And they always signify a radical change in the life of the one who's being called. And I find I can relate to some of them. When I was finding my way from nursing to ministry, people asked me, well, where did you get your call to ministry? And for a long time, I didn't have an answer to that question. And I took a class over at Claremont 
a Christian education class, and we studied the text of Moses at the burning bush. And during that class, for the first time, I heard the conversation, argument, between God and Moses when God asked Moses to, you know, take on a little task, go down to Egypt and liberate my people from Pharaoh. And Moses came up with all kinds of reasons why he shouldn't do that. Um, who, who, who am I that I should go and do this? Who, who should I say sent me? Suppose they don't listen to me. I'm not a very good speaker. But Moses finally accepted the call and, from my perspective, was dragged kicking and screaming into his, his uh, task that God had asked him to take part in. In my reluctance to move from nursing to ministry, I said things like, I can't go to seminary. I, I don't have a bachelor's degree. Um, I'm just a nurse. But there was this persistent inkling, urging, that sometime came from within and sometimes came from without. And I finally, like Moses said, <laughs> okay, if I have to, I'll, all right, all right, all right, all right. Long before Moses' experience of call, Yahweh, God called to Abram and Sari, go from your home, your country, your kindred, to the land I will show you. That's verse 1. Verse 4. Abram went. No arguing, no bargaining. Abram just backed up and went. As the story continues to unfold, we get a picture of Abram's concerns, his anxiety, his fears. But in the beginning, he simply with confidence, went. Confident in the presence and the promise of God. What's it like to walk away from the place you were born and raised? What's it like to walk away from your families and friends and go off to a new place and a different world? I have a little experience with that. <laughs> Abraham didn't go into a place that was empty or a vacuum. 
He went to a place where the Canaanites lived. And so immediately he was confronted with new and different traditions, ideas, cultures, language. Well, it's not like I went to a country where they spoke a different language. But sometimes I don't know what they're talking about. <laughs> Cookies are biscuits. Biscuits are scones. Napkins are serviettes. I won't tell you what napkins are. Gas is petrol. Now that reminds me about driving the car. <laughs> because the steering wheel's on the right-hand side of the car, and you drive on the right-hand side of the road, and turning left is like turning right, and turning right is like turning left. And the only way I could figure it out was my stepson and my husband said to me, put yourself in the middle by the line and you'll be okay. <laughs> now the, the funny thing is that after two years, when I came here and rented a car and got in the car, I had to talk to myself <laughs> and say, okay, now turning right is really turning right and, and turning left, but if you put yourself in the middle by the line, you'll be okay. Um, a ball up in footy looks like a jump ball in basketball. And when we lose the signal on TV, we turn the power on and off, and Bob's your uncle. <laughs> no worries. She'll be right soon enough. For a lifelong city girl, moving into a rural setting is quite a different world. You're getting ready to have water Sunday. That's great. On our property, all our water comes from rainwater. We have uh, three large storage tanks that store uh, 20, 30,000 gallons of water, rainwater. That supplies our clean water for the house for drinking and cooking. Um, and then we have a big dam on our property which holds, when it's full, uh, 12 and a half million liters of water. And that provides our gray water for the property. Uh, we do have electricity, but there's no gas. Um, our heating is done by a fireplace in the living room. So it's a very, very different life. Our nearest neighbor um, is a quarter of a mile away. The, <laughs> the wildlife I see outside my window, some of you know from following Facebook, is 
quite diverse and quite interesting. I have kangaroos right outside my kitchen window on a regular basis. We have possums, and our possums are ring-tailed possums, so they're big, gray, furry, fluffy things, and they jump from the tree onto our metal roof. <laughs> and I just say, oh, the thundering herd is back again. We have, we have uh, echidnas and wombats and koalas. All of them, from time to time, appear on the property. The thing that gives me the most joy and that I most want to share with you all and haven't quite figured out how to do it yet is the bird songs. Because we don't have city noise, we hear the songs of the birds, and our bird population is also very diverse. Uh, we have magpies and big ravens and little teeny finches that have blue caps on their heads and blue wings. And we have big red and blue parrots and lorikeets like you have around here, the little green ones that squawk and make a lot of noise. And then we have another kind of parrot that's called a galah. It's gray on the top of its wings, but its chest is red. And the numbers of birds is, it's just amazing. I was going into town one day not too long ago and there's a tree along the side of the road that it's a magnolia tree and I thought, oh, the magnolia tree's in bloom. But when I got closer, the magnolia tree wasn't in bloom at all. It was full of sulfur-crested cockatoos. We see cockatoos by the hundreds in flocks in the fields. And it's, it's so different because here, a cockatoo is a pet that you put in a cage. So the world is, is very different. And every day is a new adventure. Every day there's something new to see. Um, now here's another thing that's very confusing for me and I still haven't worked it out. Um, at the end of winter in August and the beginning of spring, September, um, on our property we get little teeny tiny orchids about the size of your fingernail. And we have a great time going out, tromping around through the gum trees, looking for these wonderful orchids, and then get down with the macro lenses on the camera to take pictures of them. Like Abraham, the move on the one hand is a great adventure. On the other hand, there are challenges. And for me, the biggest challenge is finding a church home. 
the most progressive uh, denomination in Australia is the Uniting Church, kind of like the UCC. It's uh, uh, a merging of Presbyterians, Methodists, and somebody else that I can never remember. <laughs> and they're a relatively new denomination. And when I first went over there, I went to the nearest one, which is just up the hill from us, about um, eight miles away. I was just converting from kilometers to miles for you. Um, and there was a woman pastor there, and I heard her preach one Sunday, and I thought, oh, this is really great. I'm going to like it here. <laughs> and... and the man who was sitting in front of me did the thing you should never do to new people in church. He turned around and he said, you have such a wonderful voice, you need to come and meet my wife, she leads the choir. It's <laughs> <So>, okay. <laughs> but the problem was, that nice woman pastor went on vacation um, the next Sunday and then she had some health issues and I began to experience what I called preacher potluck and you never not quite knew what you were going to get or what you were going to hear and some of it was a little difficult for me to take care of or to listen to and not get up and say what? <laughs> I don't think so <laughs> so then I went into Wangaretta. Wangaretta is the rural city closest to us. City is uh, a euphemism. Uh, the population of Wangaretta is about oh, 25,000, half the size of Brea. Um, and the church there is, is part of a very large parish. It's the central church in the parish. And then in all the little rural communities around, there are churches that pastors rotate around to preach to. There's a, mostly the retired preachers go and, and preach there. The hardest part for me is communion and it makes me sad on communion Sundays because it's not like here and it's not you and I miss you all most on communion Sunday but there are fun experiences the first year that I was there Wangaretta is the home of a world-renowned jazz festival. And the churches in Wang get together and do a, a worship service outdoors on Sunday morning of the weekend of the jazz festival. And so they said to me, you, you should come. And I said, okay. But I was a little nervous. Not okay. And so I went down, and the band that was providing music for the worship service that morning was 
the Salvation Army Big Band from Melbourne. And they play big band music, 40s big band music, and they're good. They're really good. And as I came up into the area where the worship service was going to be, they were tuning up, and the song that I heard them playing was, take, take off your shoes, you're standing on my holy ground. Yes, that's what I said. I know that song. I know the guy who wrote that song. So when it came time for this song to be incorporated into the worship service, the director of the band got up and said, does anybody know this song? Because we know it well enough to play it, but we don't know well, it well enough to sing it. I immediately jumped out of my chair, <laughs> ran to the stage, and said, I can lead this song, which I did. So I've been a singer at the jazz festival. <laughs> It, it, needless to say, made me famous in the Wang Greta Uniting Church. And they said, oh, not only is she American, she's a little crazy to boot. <laughs> I guess I made enough of an impression that this last November they asked me to preach. So the thing that has worked for me... Um, is to be part of a small group. Uh, started out a year ago at the beginning of Lent. And they let me stay even though they discovered that I was a clergy person. The comment was made one night early on last year. Oh, it's so nice to get together and not have clergy people. And I said, oh, I guess I have to go home now. And they said, oh, are you one of those? Yes, I am. <laughs> yes, I really am. And, but they let me stay. And since then, they have allocated the leadership of the group to me. <laughs> So while they were happy to get together without clergy people, they were also happy to have the clergy person lead the group. <laughs> but they're wonderful people, and, and they provide community for me. And I think that uh, for Abraham, living in the midst of Canaan, he had his family and he had his community that he brought with him. And he didn't have to um, be or do anything different than who he was and live his life the way he thought God wanted him to live it. He didn't have to try to convince anybody of anything. He just had to be who he was in the midst of Canaan. People ask me, what do you miss? Well, I miss my grandchildren, of course, my kids, and I miss all of you. And I miss the community that we are together. 
and the things that we do together as a community of faith. Walter Brueggemann says that the Abraham and Sarah saga is a metaphor for a journey in faith. So when we get these little calls, as Michael says, these little thoughts, urgings, inklings, how do we respond? Do we respond out of fear and trepidation as Moses did, as I do sometimes? Or do we respond out of faith, confident in the presence of God, confident in the promise of God? And are we willing to take the risk to let go? The image that I have is of a high wire, a high flying trapeze artist. Swinging, swinging, swinging on the bar. Making the decision to let go of that bar, cross that empty space, confident that the partner is going to be there with strong hands ready to grab you. Just before, well, the first time I talked to my husband, David, after I got here, he said, I was just thinking of a text you might use in your sermon. And he told me a story about his father passing away, that they had gone home, David had taken his mother home, and the nurse said she would stay with David's dad. And so she was reading scripture to him because he was a retired pastor. And she was reading the 139th Psalm to him. And while it wouldn't have been in exactly this language, because this, what I'm going to read to you is from the message, but in Psalm 139, it says, Is there any place I can go to avoid your spirit, to be out of your sight? If I climb to the sky, you're there. If I go underground, you're there. If I flew on the wings of morning to the far western horizon and settle at the farthest limits of the sea, You'd find me in a minute. You're already there waiting. And the nurse's story to David and his mother when they came back to the hospital was, after she read those words, David's dad opened his eyes and said, Praise the Lord. And he passed on. When I fly, 
on morning's wings to the far western horizon and settle at the farthest limits of the Pacific Ocean. You'll be there with me. Your spirits will travel with me. Your love will travel with me. I know it's always there. And so like Abraham, I can go to a new country and a new place with confidence and with joy, and I can come back here and tell you stories about it. <laughs> when those little inklings occur to you, when you hear God calling you to make those little choices that make a difference in your life, grab a hold with confidence in the presence and the promise of God. Amen. Will you pray with me? Loving God, you are made known to us here within the family of this church, where all are welcome. You are made known to us in the diversity of our world, magpie and raven, blue-crested finch and sulfur-crested cockatoo. Science and art and philosophy combine in your voice, pulsing with the creative yearnings of the universe. You are made known to us in our innermost selves where instinct and intuition dwell. As intimate to us as breath, as much us as we, you are all these things, knitting us together in the interdependent web of who and what we are, communities of communities, each made of individuals, beautiful and beloved. We hear your call toward learning and respect and compassion. In silence and meditation, we feel the pull within us, the impulse to love and to create, which we recognize as our lives participating in the divine life, enhancing the common good. Sometimes our instincts, desires, and pulls are in conflict with those of others, and so we join in places such as this spiritual community to discuss and reason and learn, to round the sharp edges of personal needs and to sharpen our understanding of the world's needs. Help us, is our prayer, to be true to ourselves as we show respect and compassion for all you have created, knowing that no matter how our roads might turn, with you we keep ourselves on the line and toward the middle. God of silence and prophecy, thunder, lightning, whisper, and inkling, God of birdsong, of miracle and splendor, you surround us with the love in which we live and move and find our being. Alive in you, we are never alone and we are never without choice. Moment to moment opportunities to move deeper into being, into becoming, into turning the human race into the human family. 
honoring the bonds of Christians throughout the centuries, we pray this morning a prayer of family as Jesus taught his disciples, saying, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen.